Hello and welcome back to Tragicomic, a coming of age podcast. As always, I'm your host, Andrew Ortizio, and here with me today is a great friend, a big inspiration, and the man that spanked my ass in front of the whole RTF366K class, Marlon Rubio-Smith. Marlon is a third-year RTF major at UT Austin and truly is an impressive filmmaker. He's somehow always creating art that brings tears to my eyes, is somehow always on set, either ACing or PAing or gripping or whatever you can do to help, as well as somehow always making time to give the most in-depth and useful critiques to all of my own writing that I bother him with. I think the root of all these is the fact that he's just a great person. He's empathetic and powerful in the stories he's passionate about. He's considerate and understanding of everyone of all different backgrounds. And one thing that I've always admired about him is that no matter what class we have together, he somehow makes friends with every single peer and makes an effort to approach every single one of them and ask how they're doing. I'm excited to have this conversation with him about film and his upbringing of growing up in Mexico and immigrating to the United States. And I'm excited to potentially spank his ass when we're done recording this episode. <laughs> Marlon, how are you feeling today? Crises. I mean, uh, <laughs> I'm feeling great. I didn't know you were going to expose me like that. Uh-huh. But, you know. Well, you did in front of the whole class. I did. But, you know, that was a very tight-knit group. <laughs> uh, now it's all over the internet. So. Well, who knows how many people are going to see this? You know? Sure. Maybe I everybody. Think. Maybe everybody. Maybe everybody in the world. Yeah. You know, hopefully they watch it so that they can get to exactly. know me, you know, since yeah. the very start. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. So what... We watched our movie, your movie, on Monday. What was it and why? What were your first... Why did you pick it? Well, I picked it because, of course, first of all, it's a coming-of-age film, right? And what is it called first? Um, yeah. Uh, the name is I'm No Longer Here or Ya No Estoy Aquí in, in Spanish. Um, mm -hmm. Should I, like, say what it is about or... Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, okay, well... It's it's about this dude who's kind of like the leader of a gang, but not really a, like a violent gang. It's just mm -hmm. kind of like a counterculture group gang mm -hmm. uh, in Monterey, Mexico. And then he has to immigrate to the United States due to like some conflict relating to like um, narco violence in Mexico and everything. Mm -hmm. um, I picked it because um, there are so many reasons, honestly. Um, it's a Mexican film. Mm -hmm. I love Mexican cinema. Um, it's a great, harsh, raw uh, coming-of-age film. Um, whenever, at least when I think of like coming-of-age, mm -hmm. I think of your Netflix, you know, yeah. high Almost school. Almost hallmarky. Yes. Yeah. Yes. High school-y um, coming-of-age films that, you know, their biggest problems are like, oh, my, my boyfriend, you know, yeah, yeah. He broke up with me. And I mean, that's good. Uh -huh. I've gone through that. I, I feel you, bro. Yeah. But, you know, in life, there are other things that, you know, might mm -hmm. be, you know. A little more serious. A little more serious. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's a, it's a great mix. Um, mm -hmm. It shows a hard reality that I think we should all be aware of. And also, I relate to it because I'm an immigrant myself. Mm -hmm. So it spoke to me directly. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, yeah. I really enjoyed it. And you got to touch a lot on it already. But for those of you who don't know... Ya No Estoy Aquí, or I'm No Longer Here, is a 2019 Mexican Spanish language drama film written and directed by Fernando Frias de la Para, starring Juan Daniel Garcia Trevino and Angelina Chen. In Monterey, Mexico, a young street gang spends their days dancing to slow down cumbia and attending parties. After a mix-up with the local cartel, their leader, Ulysses, is forced to migrate to the U.S., but quickly longs to return home. Ya No Estoy Aquí employs a non-linear narrative structure jumping between Ulysses' experiences in Mexico and the United States, 
and I think the writer, director, and editor accomplished this very successfully. While some films focus too much on the back and forth, like Nolan's Memento, the jumps in this film are less predictable, somewhat less important, and overall more impactful. The nonlinear story cuts on emotion and fully allows the audience to be immersed in the story and understand it how the filmmakers wanted us to understand it. I believe the backdrop and setting of this story is equally as important as the main narrative itself, surrounding the Mexican president's pledge to continue to fight organized crime and the reiteration of his pre-existing drug war strategy. Hearing the president's speech in this film, accompanied by beautiful cinematography of the streets of Monterey, increased the impact of the coming age story by acknowledging the conditions Ulysses had to grow up under. Yano Estoyaki is a great watch. If you're interested in a complex coming-of-age story, unique and comical relations due to language barriers, or seeing a truly breakout performance by a first-time actor in Juan Daniel Garcia Trevino, I would highly recommend opening Netflix and giving this film a watch. So, I know we talked a little bit about it when we watched it, but not too much. How did you like the nonlinear structure? Do you think it added to it? Do you think it took away from it? What are your feelings about it? The first time I watched it, um, you know, I'm... I think as any other audience member, mm-hmm. we are used to the traditional um, ways of yeah. telling stories. So it did take me out a little bit. Hmm. Um, it wasn't until the second time I watched it that I really said like, wow, this is hmm. this is good. Um, and I think it serves the narrative because yeah. um, part of the, the journey of, of this character, Ulises, is um, this longing of the past, you mm-hmm. know, while being, you know, in the United States, that's his present. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just, it do be like that sometimes, you yeah. know? Like, um, I can I, I relate to it because, you know, sometimes I'm just living my life here and then there's this moment where I go back, you know, five years ago, 10 mm-hmm. years ago, my yeah. childhood. Um, it's all nonlinear. Yeah. Um, then you think about your future, you know, and like that cliche phrase of like, you know, make sure you know where you came from yeah. you know, to know where you're going yeah. and things like that. I, I think it applies to mm-hmm. in the film, uh, my life and, you know, for more people. So I, I really enjoyed it. It's I'm, in, I'm it's interesting to me that it almost took you out of it for your first time watching, because I immediately I can't understand that or I can't say that like i completely understood the time jumps Mm because even i was asking you like wait now is he back here but i at the end of the film i realized that i liked the jumps so much i love the nonlinear structure because i think it emphasized kind of the state of immigrating and it almost focused on the story more rather than his personal narrative and so i think it it's almost just like a glimpse into the life of the immigrant experience through the lens of one person but it's not like a normal coming of age film that's completely linear and focuses only on one person you only get one person's emotions i think because it jumped back and forth and almost disoriented you a little bit it made you focus on the cinematography and the location because that was the first thing of like when it would jump back and forth it's like oh he's in mexico and immediately whenever you notice that you start realizing what the streets look like and what the people look like and what the clothes people are wearing look like and i thought because of the way the story jumped around it really helped me understand just a bit more of the culture of mexico at that time and i think that maybe i'm wrong but i feel like that's what the filmmakers were trying to do yeah i mean honestly i don't wanna i don't think this movie is like a 
this is what what they were trying to do. I think you can have like multiple readings. Interpretations of it. Uh, every time I watch it, I think I lean more towards like, oh, you know, they were trying to do this or they mm -hmm. were trying to do that. Um, but I do believe that um, at its core, it's a, it's a story about immigration. Mm -hmm. um, if we look at cumbia, the genre itself, um, separating it from the movie, yeah, um, it has roots in migration, you know, mm -hmm. during the slave trade, mm -hmm. you know, um, slaves were taken to, to Colombia. Um, the dance, it was, it is thought to have, uh, originated, you know, due to the, the, the shackles, you know, in, in, hmm. in the feet, yeah. the, the short steps. Yeah. That, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then, you know, the, the Colombia counterculture movement, you know, the whole thing about, you know, wearing the baggy clothes yeah. and everything that came from immigration, you know, mm -hmm. from people from the, the country, Colombia going to Monterey, hmm. um, and then the the main story of Ulysses, you know, him immigrating to to the to the United States, uh, and then back and yeah. seeing everything that that mm -hmm. has happened to to his home. Yeah, um, I think that's what what the movie is at its core. Hmm. Okay. Well, we have already kind of addressed it a little bit, but I want to address the elephant in the room in that um, you also immigrated to the United States at a young age. Um, Ulysses was seventeen, and you were twelve. Yes. So, um, were there, I wanted to ask, were there similarities in y'all's two stories? Or do you think that there are some similarities amongst all Mexican immigrants? Or do you think that it truly is more of an individual experience? I'm not sure. You know, I will say that I, I've been very fortunate um, in my life. Elisa's mm -hmm. um, uh, circumstances were pretty harsh. Yeah. So, I don't think it's fair, you know, like to compare my experience to, to his. Um, but there were certain scenes in the movie, um, for instance, where, where they were, where Ulises was sharing some of his culture with, um, Lynn, you yeah. know, the, the mm -hmm. Asian American student here. Um, I, I saw that, that, that scene and I was like, Hey, that's me. Yeah. You know, that's me, uh, sharing, you know, part of, of my culture there, mm -hmm. uh, with, with other people. Um, but also that feeling of loneliness sometimes you know mm -hmm. of being surrounded by people but feeling lonely mm -hmm. feeling like you know um yes you may find people that speak spanish here but you really need to find someone else that has gone through the same thing yeah. another immigrant another mm -hmm. immigrant from mexico to like really hey i feel you yeah i know exactly what you're going through mm -hmm. um but but yeah um yeah, I, I will say I had a very um, fortunate, you know, um, immigration process, I, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but those those things of, of longing, you know, for the, for the past. And really, I think it's almost an idea that an utopia that sometimes we create. Yeah, um, especially of the, the American dream, the American experience. Yes. And and also from Mexico, because mm -hmm. like... Um, the movie, you know, when, when they go back to Mexico, it's a very romanticized um, version of Mexico. Mm -hmm. um, even with all of the social unrest and the, the political, you know, mm -hmm. the stability showed in, in the film. Um, but I find myself sometimes, you know, oh, I, I, I just went to, to Mexico during yeah. winter break. I loved it. Mm -hmm. uh, I went to the pyramids of Teotihuacan, you know, this very archaeological ruins. Uh, the history is so rich. Um, and, you know, it makes me feel proud of, of being Mexican. 
But then you see that uh, eight women die every day in Mexico, and that hasn't stopped in like years. Mm -hmm. What is the government doing about it? Um, you know, deep inside me, I uh, I went there, but I I was very paranoid of like you know, yeah. seeing looking around, seeing that no one is is you know, mm -hmm. um, like walking behind us. You know, my mom, my mom and I. Um, And me, I guess, as the man of, of the family, yeah. you know, I have to be taking care of, of me, but my, my, my mom as well. So it's very, yeah, it's very interesting. It really challenged my, my idea of what I think of Mexico mm -hmm. uh, to um, the, the movie itself and also just immigrating to, to yeah, here. Yeah, definitely. I think, it, I think it's so interesting of, I mean, it's not even just necessarily in the immigration experience, but... The whole idea of missing someplace and then when you do go back you realize it's not the same as what you were missing that it's completely different i think that whole the whole idea of that is so interesting that our brains will create certain things to miss and then for specifically forget the other things that maybe aren't worth missing but i'm sure that experience must have been weird for you to like really have been missing this place and then coming back and then realizing that like remembering some of the things that aren't as perfect as maybe you were remembering it as. Uh, yes, of course, especially because, you know, when I really think about it, um, I spent my childhood and very early teen years in Mexico. Mm -hmm. Really, my formative years, uh, I spent them here in the, yeah. in the U.S. Um, so when you're a kid, you have a very different perspective yeah, of, of, of the world. Um, I will say that the most heartbreaking thing It's like not only seeing that place changing from what you remember, but noticing how you don't belong in that place anymore. Yeah. Um, this is, you know, this last time I went to Mexico, it's the mm -hmm. second time where I feel more of a, like a foreigner mm -hmm. than an actual Mexican. Yeah, more of a tourist. Y yeah. 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 And, you know, that's heartbreaking yeah. you know because I, i i have this very close attachment to my mexican identity mm -hmm. um and seeing that you know i i don't belong anymore mm -hmm. even if i i mean i can i guess i can you know survive there yeah but like say for instance i i, I got a haircut in mexico mm -hmm. you usually pay a hundred pesos yeah like tops it cost me 300 And let me thought, tell you why. I thought you were American. I, I think the yeah. dude cutting my hair noticed this guy's not from here. I was huh. like, let's, can we curse in here? Yes. Okay, let's fuck him up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, what do you think, like, because obviously I'm sure there are things that you feel like maybe you aren't as Mexican or you feel like you feel like more of a tourist than you did before. But what do you think he, your barber was seeing? Like, what do you think was different about you that he could see that you were from America? I don't know. I guess, um, well, first of all, you know, I was wearing, and not to feel like cocky or anything, but, you mm -hmm. know, I was wearing the Ray-Ban um, glasses. Mm -hmm. I was, you know, wearing, like, what, Levi's uh, tennis shoes. Mm -hmm. So, and the, the reality is that people in Mexico don't go around, you know, with those things. Yeah. Because they, they're, you know, attractive to other people. You mm -hmm. know, they catch other people's attention. Yeah. So, I guess, you know, I, I just forget, you know. I feel, yeah. I guess I start to feel 
like an American, like I can go whenever, yeah, wherever in the world yeah. and do my own thing. Mm -hmm. That's the reality, no? Yeah. Um, and, and I don't know, maybe also the way that I express myself, because I don't, I don't know if it ever happens to you, but like, you know, there's a lot of trends like mm -hmm. with youth. Um, and you know, you're always trying to like feel trendy and, you know, use those expressions and everything. Mm -hmm. I still use the expressions um, that I used to use, like when I came here. So, hmm. like when I go to Mexico, I feel like I'm in 2015. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because different trends come and go, and that's what you most remember. Mm -hmm. And so, like that's what you use whenever you're back there. Yeah, yeah. And you know, things have changed. Mm -hmm. I don't know if for the better or for the worse. I'm not really updated, you know, and mm -hmm. like what the the youth, the student uh, vibe is right yeah. now. So maybe, you know, that that's something that, that people notice. I don't know. Hmm. I think it's really interesting because um, obviously like, we come from very different backgrounds, both like obviously we're different ethnicities, but also me being half. I'm half Filipino, half white. And I've always really, really connected with my Filipino culture. And I've always loved being a part of it. But it does suck because no matter where I go in the Philippines, I will always be seen as a foreigner. And in, essence, or in reality, I am a foreigner. I was not born there. I wasn't grow. I didn't grow up there, um, but it really does suck because no matter how much time I do spend there, there will always be that disconnect for me where no one will see me as a real Filipino. And beyond that, like other troubles of growing up mixed of like my mom's white. She didn't know how to speak Tagalog or Bicol. And so I was never taught. And so now if I want to learn at my like age of 20, like that will take me a long time to learn yeah. either of like taking a class or like going over there and spending a good amount of time there. Um, but I know, what you, I know exactly the feeling of like walking around and you're like, damn, like I, like I'm different than these people. Even when you feel like a part of you, you're not, mm -hmm. which isn't a good feeling. It always sucks. Yeah. Um, and I feel like it's also like karma, at least for me, because when I first got here, um, you know, I felt definitely more Mexican than American. Mm -hmm. Right now, I could, you know, kind of like debate, you mm -hmm. know, pretty, pretty half and half. Yeah. Um, but I, it's not that I would make fun of like the Mexican Americans here, mm -hmm. but sometimes I would not like connect with them the, mm -hmm. because they would say things like, you know, the, the famous phrase, like, I'm not he from here nor there. No? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I didn't understand that. Mm -hmm. You know, I would say, you know, you, you you're the first the first language that you spoke was Spanish. Um, your family, you know, is is from Mexico or from any other Latin American countries. Um, you know, that's the type of culture that you grew grew up in. Um, why don't you feel more Mexican than yeah. than American? No, mm -hmm. even if you can like uh, develop yourself socially in like a more American mm -hmm. way. Um, I didn't understand that. And like right now, I'm, I get it. I yeah. get it. You know, you start your own life um, here um, and you need to adapt to, to survive. Mm -hmm. um, unless, if not, that's what happens uh, with Ulises. You yeah. know, he wasn't able to adapt. Yeah. So he had to and, come home. Yeah. And I guess also, uh, spoiler alert. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway. Uh, So now I understand their points of view um, and I feel more identified with them than yeah. I do with like, 
either an American or a Mexican, like, you know, yeah. separately. So we're on the same train. <laughs> I think, I think like the, like, Texas is so interesting because there are so many different Mexicans. There are the people that grew up in Mexico and Texas is so close that they did move over where they are immigrants. And then there are also the people that grow up in the Valley and pretty much only speak Spanish at home. A lot of times only speak Spanish at school, but they're Americans. Mm -hmm. They're born in America. They've always lived in America. And then there's some of the people like in North Texas, which is a little farther, like where I'm from, where there are some people that are from two Mexican parents that came from Mexico, but they don't even speak Spanish. Yes. So there's such a spectrum of Mexican American people, which I think is so interesting. Cause even like one of my best friends from home, he grew up, um, where they would like speak to him in Spanish, but they never really like taught it to him. And they would always kind of speak to him in English first. But like his mom and his stepdad would talk in Spanish or his mom would talk to him in Spanish. And so he is almost like Americanized where he can understand everything, but he just can't say it back. Mm. And so it's like he's taking everything in. He he's, it's And it's weird because are you fluent? No, but comprehension wise, understanding he's completely fluent. He can understand everything you tell him in Spanish. But if he tries to iterate it back in Spanish, he just can't do it that much. But yeah. it's, I think it's interesting how in Texas specifically, I think because we're so close to the border, there is such that spectrum of Mexican-Americans. Yes, I agree. Um, yeah, I find like the different identities like fascinating. Mm -hmm. And that's like another thing from, you know, time back to the movie that I like but at the same time it's sad and that is like the decimation the desecration of of that identity of the the cholombianos you know yeah um because it is such a very uh, niche um counterculture movement you mm -hmm. know um when i first watched it you know the the hairstyles the the baggy clothing mm -hmm. their vernacular you know their way of of speaking it's just like different elements from like a lot yeah. of places coming together and creating something new. And when you see it in terms of the narrative, um, you know, these are groups of like outcasts, um, outcasts, uh, you know, young people that mm -hmm. don't feel like they belong in the mainstream, um, not, not media, but just, just the mainstream sure, you know, yeah. like students. Uh, and they have come together, found a sense of belonging, and I don't know, it's just like, I find it, I find it amazing, especially yeah. because, you know, as an immigrant, that's, that's what you try, try to do, mm -hmm. find that sense of belonging anywhere. Mm -hmm. And yeah, you know, when I, when I came here, um, I automatically like just went to, to meet, um, Spanish speaking people. Yeah. Um, I kind of like just self-segregated myself, if you will, mm -hmm. um, because I thought, you know, that was my, my that was my comfort zone. Yeah. Uh, but also I thought that that was, was going to, you know, help me the most or make me thrive the most. And thing is that it, that, that's, that didn't happen. Um, mm -hmm. I remember in sophomore year of high school, uh, we had like a big friend group of all like uh, Hispanic students. Mm -hmm. and and. That was that was good because I got to meet people from Venezuela, Colombia, yeah, um, Brazil, Argentina, mm -hmm. um, and that uh, cultural exchange is is also one of the things that fascinates me about about this country, really. Yeah, um, 
But anyway, yeah, I felt like a god because I was like, you know, I'm, I'm so popular right now. You yeah. know, no one can. I'm so beyond everyone. And like, guess how many people from that friend group I, I talk to like right now? And that was like five years ago? That was like five. Five years ago. Five, yeah. We're yeah. Third years now. Yeah. What? Two? Yeah. Two? Yeah. yeah. And that's kind of like uh, every once in a while, like, hey, yeah, still, you know, yeah. how, you, how you doing? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so it's kind of sad. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I feel like that's common for all friend groups, really. But I don't know. But OK, we've talked about this a little in the podcast or a little so far. And then we talked about it watching the movie. And I thought this was super interesting. But it was like the difference in like the some of the small things. Specifically, of like the dap up of like the handshake in Mexico versus America of like, like I do this. Can you see? That? Yes. Like this. And then in Dallas, we would snap. Mm-hmm. But then in Austin, people just do this, no snap. But you said, and in the movie, y'all would do the high five and then the bump. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There's no like, um, no grab. Yeah. 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 I, I'll show the story because you know, it's adequate, but <laughs> uh, yeah, the first time I, I uh, you know, handshake someone here, Mm-hmm. Uh, they did the the, the slide thing, and yeah. I'm used to like pump, pump, you yeah. know, detached, mm-hmm. staccato, you know. Yeah, 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 and, yeah. And and I was like, you know, what the fuck are you doing? You know, yeah, they got my hand. Me. Yeah, yeah. So it's very interesting. So I wonder what were some of the other like small differences that felt like big differences to you, and that most people wouldn't really recognize as like things that might be agents of alienation or might make you feel different. Ooh, like, true. what are some of those small things? Triggering the Vietnam memories right now. Um, <laughs> you know, I, there's not a lot of small things. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that is one one of them. But really, it's just like everything is like a big difference. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I can start with like, you know, the like, for instance, schools, um, like the infrastructure of mm-hmm. them. It's so much like smaller, very like small scale in in Mexico. Mm-hmm. You have like a, I don't know, like three maybe three buildings in the school. They are all classrooms. Yeah, uh, we have no like fine arts. Um, the king sport is soccer, mm-hmm. so we just have like two fields. Um, and, and, you know, that's where we play yeah. uh, with, like, all of the broken pavement and everything, yeah. you know. Um, that's a great difference. I was like, well, you know, w- when you have support, you know, it shows. Yeah, yeah. It shows um, the people, you know, I guess is the main difference. Um, I don't know. I still find it, like, very um, self-centered here. Yeah. Like, um, everyone is in their, their own world. Mm-hmm. Um, and sadly, I've kind of, like, adopted that um, behavior. Um, most of all, you know, sometimes you have that uh, good intention of, like, you know, talking to, to people mm-hmm. and being, you know, social and everything. But then when you get rejected, like, you know, yeah. 10 times, then you're just <laughs> like, okay, yeah. I, I'm going to stop, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Hmm. There, there, there's a lot of them. Yeah, I'm sure there's a lot. Well, I also have another question of, do you think it's frustrating when, it must be, when white Texans try to speak to you in Spanish? And what is your, like, what is your policy? What is your ethos on that? Like, if 
it's a white person and they say that you're Hispanic or they hear that you're speaking Spanish. Do you want them to try or do you just want them to talk to you in English? You know, I speak English. Don't worry about it. Yeah. You know, I'll understand it. You know, yeah. I may have a wanky accent sometimes, but like, you know, I'm able to communicate. That's mm -hmm. what's important. Um, I really don't mind the yo hablo un poquito. <laughs> um, it, it, it does bother me, you know, it makes yeah. me kind of like a tinkling, you know, where, um, yeah, yeah. but, uh, it, it is what it is, you know, mm -hmm. I see it as a way of them trying to like connect with you, you know, sure. trying yeah. to like speak your language. Mm -hmm. Um, even if it's the same line, you know, and everyone says it, um, mm -hmm. it's all right. But then there are like special cases, like my roommate, uh, he says, let's vamonos sometimes. Yeah. And that's literally saying like the same thing. It's like, like let's, let's go. Let's, let's go. <laughs> yeah. Uh -huh. That, that pisses you off. That boils me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he, he does it on purpose. So, you know, mm -hmm. one of these days I'm going to beat him up. You should. I should. I would love to see that. Yeah. <laughs> reparations. <laughs> yeah. Reparations yes. for everything, for all the let's abominos. Yeah. Everything. <laughs> okay. Well, so in this film, music is essential. Cumbia and specifically their slowed down version of Cumbia dictates a lot of their culture. And after some research, after visiting mxrfilms.com, <laughs> I know your mom makes music in that you make her music videos. Is music a big part of your family and your kind of like immediate culture with like your mom and your family? Or how did that play out? It, it is very interesting because, mm -hmm. yeah, my mom started singing since she was like nine. Yeah. Um, she's, she's gifted. She, mm -hmm. she was born with it, mm -hmm. you know? Uh, so she started working at age 15 and, you know, she's still working up to this day. Mm -hmm. um, I never thought of music as, you know, like a talent of mine, really. Mm -hmm. um, but it was when I came to the United States that I started uh, missing Mexico mm -hmm. because I had taken it for granted mm -hmm. um, with music, with food. There was this instance uh, while I was living with, uh, with an aunt in Mexico and it was the weekend. She was like, eh, let's get some tamales for breakfast. Yeah. And I was like, tamales? Me? Yeah. Um, I don't know if you've ever had uh, tamales. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Um, but anyway, those, they're very good. They're the fucking best. Yeah. They're the best. Yeah. So I guess life just said, you know, okay, you didn't uh -huh. want tamales, huh? Uh -huh. um, and and then I started missing them a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, but anyway, that happened with music. When I was in Mexico, I did not listen to like cumbias, salsas. No, mm -hmm. not at all. Um, I used to listen to like pop, you know, Lady yeah. Gaga. You know, I was yeah, like, yeah. you know, the cultural hegemony at its at its yeah. uh, at its finest. But um, I I saw it as as a as a way to connect you know, with, with, uh, with Mexico, with yeah, my, with that part culture. of my ad identity, with my culture. And, and yeah, I, I started liking, liking, uh, that type of music. Uh, and then, yeah. Um, when I told my parents that I wanted to be a filmmaker, she was, my, my mom was like, okay, let's get to work. Yeah. Uh, make some videos for me. And I was like, okay, great. That's so cool. And so that's also so interesting to me to me that like you and your mom are collaborators which is a, a relationship that not many people have with their parents. But so what is that like, one, working with your mom, and then two, what planning are you doing? What planning is she doing? Like, how are those music videos coming to life? 
So for the first music video that I made for her, uh, for her song, well, it's not her song, but it's a cover of Besame mm -hmm. Mucho, mm -hmm. a very famous yeah. um, uh, Spanish-speaking song. Um, you know, we wanted to go with like a lot of the Mexican iconography and like colors and everything. So I pitched an idea to her and she mm -hmm. was like, sure, let's do it. Hmm. Um, we were also taking ad advantage of where we were we're in the valley yeah. uh, around like uh, Port Isabel, mm -hmm. uh, South Padre Island, and they had like some deserted like you know areas. Yeah. Um. So I don't know why, but we were like, yeah, let's shoot there, like kind of like in the the desert like areas. Mm -hmm. Um, and and then that was that. Uh, for the second music video I made uh, for her, um, she got like a green screen. Mm -hmm. because of some like online play that she was doing and she was like i want you to make me a video on a green screen and mm -hmm. i was like okay uh, so that's how you learn to yeah pretty yeah, much to key things out to use green screen pretty much yeah. yeah i had done it before with like the youtube videos that says like whatever green screen yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. you just download it and then uh -huh. use it um but yeah yeah that's how i learned um to 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 the green screen stuff and then for the last music video, which is my favorite uh, for mm -hmm. Port Isabel, um, my parents had a clear idea of what they wanted. Mm -hmm. um, they wanted to showcase a little town, uh, but also, um, you know, showcase my mom and everything. So they were like, we're going to be shooting at, at the beach, uh, at the lighthouse. We're going to go up, like mm -hmm. some shots from from below yeah and like x x and, and y and i was like okay i'll just do that hmm. um i will say sometimes mainly while i'm editing yeah it can get very um totalitarian if you will okay. as in the their decisions oh sure yeah. yeah and sometimes i'm like you know i don't think this will work and it's like i want it like that it's like Okay. Yeah. S studio decision. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get, starting to get used to them because you know maybe in the future you know, that's that's what will happen. Um, but but it's fun. Uh, yeah. I'm actually very thankful uh, to her because those were like my first productions. Like yeah. once I started college, mm -hmm. if I hadn't done those, then my portfolio would be like empty. Yeah, and you would have less experience in general. Like I'm yes. sure you would feel less confident going on other people's sets or helping out. Like. I'm, I, I think that's so awesome that like, you got that experience from your mom, too. Yes. And I, I saw that she's going to be in a movie. She is. Congratulations yeah. to her. Yeah, thank you. Thank yeah. you. I'll, I'll, I'll tell her. Yeah, please do tell her. <laughs> okay, I have another question, and I'm interested to see your response. Okay. And let me finish it first. So, what made you so nice? And I don't mean for that question to be weird, but why? Do you make such an effort to introduce yourself to people and offer yourself as a resource and make everyone feel so comfortable in the way where like in FTD, I felt like every time I would turn around, you were talking to someone else new and like asking how their project was going, how they're feeling, like all these little things that I'm sure to everybody means a lot. And I think that I'm a nice guy, but I think if you put us next to each other, I look more like Satan than a saint. Stop so it. what, so what? What has clicked in your head that has made you want to be such this protruder of kindness? <sighs> okay. I, I don't want to sound cocky, but <laughs> yeah. no, no, I mean, 
Well, you know, when when I was a kid, um, I was raised by my grandma and my mom. Mm -hmm. uh, but sometimes my mom would have to go to work and, mm -hmm. you know, I would mainly uh, stay with my grandma. And, you know, based on like everything that my family tells me, mm -hmm. uh, she she was very social, you hmm. know, throughout her life. Yeah. So I, I guess I got that from her. Mm -hmm. I can't really say it for, you know, uh, first experience because I don't have a lot of memories with her, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. uh, she passed away in like 2009. Mm -hmm. So I was I was very young. Um, but but yeah, it was a, a, a team effort between my, my mom and my grandma. Mm -hmm. um, and, and yeah, I mean, I, I just always had it of like, you know, wanting to talk to people, yeah. wanting to make friends. Um, you know, not just because, you know, of, of like an egotistical thing, but just because I, I, I like to get to know people, mm -hmm. uh, like to ask them how they're doing. And especially now then you know, we're in film. Yeah. I'm always, you know, interested to see, you know, what other people are working on. Mm -hmm. um, if I can help them, you know, in any way, sure. Mm -hmm. um, but also it's like a two-way street, you know? Mm -hmm. Like if you ever need me I'll, and I can help you, I'll be there. Uh, maybe when I need you, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. hopefully, you know, it's a reciprocal thing. Mm -hmm. um, but I think the most important thing is that then again, when I came here to the United States, it was a big culture shock. Yeah. Um, and I was mute for like hmm. months, mm -hmm. especially the, that first year. Um, if I wasn't hanging out with my Spanish speaking friends, I, I, I was mute. Yeah. Like, I, I wouldn't. Uh, there to like speak to to other people mm -hmm. and there's this line in the lion king uh that my mom reminds me of like all the time mm -hmm. it's like remember who you are or something like that i'm not sure if it's <laughs> if that's the same uh line yeah i'm just translating it from spanish mm -hmm. um but i was like yeah i need to remember who am i mm -hmm. and i think um you know uh, that social, you know, kid that, you know, wants to, to ask people, you know, how they're doing, you mm -hmm. know, see if I can help them in some ways. And I, I guess that's, that's, that's it. Hmm. Um, yeah. For instance, in high school, um, I was, a, a TA for the English as a second language class mm -hmm. one, I think it was a one semester. That's everything that, you know, they offered. Mm -hmm. Um, and I would see, you know, other students going through the same experience yeah. I went through like years, years ago. So even though I wasn't like at my prime or anything, I would do like whatever was in my hands to ease yeah. their experience, to try to make it better to, and also to encourage them. You know, at that time I was already applying to college. Yeah. Um, of course, like I said, I've had a very, um, I've been very fortunate, but, uh, I make them aware it's like, you know, sometimes you just need to look for opportunities, you yeah. know, they're there for you. Um, you, you can do it. You know, mm -hmm. a, a lot of the things that, that happen to me also is, and I guess that falls into like imposter syndrome or something, Yeah. but like, you know, just self, um, discarding yourself like yeah. automatically because mm -hmm. of X, Y, and Z. And it's mm -hmm. like, I mean, I understand that some people are at a disadvantage. Mm -hmm. But, you know, that doesn't mean that you, you shouldn't try you know, mm -hmm. to like yeah, do this stuff, um, whether it is applying to college, 
whether it is making a film, yeah, you know, just substitute it to like anything. Well, I feel like I almost want to tell you like that all of that stuff that you do like definitely does not go for granted. Like I have always appreciated every time, and we're like we're good friends, so it's almost different for me. But I've always appreciated every time you like checked up on me and for my project, asked me how I was doing. But I really think like when you're doing it to people that you're not as close with. I think that's when it like is even more admirable because it's not like you have that like deep connection with them, but still like you're providing yourself not only as a resource, but as just like as a person to talk to. I think that's so kind. And I feel like I've almost wanted to do that more, but I am just like in some ways scared to like, I want to be able to like, and I don't mean help because that almost seems like I'm above people and it's not that, but I would love to just ask people how they're doing all the time. Um, and just check up on people. But I almost feel some form of socially anxious about it because I don't want them to think that I'm only fostering this to get something out of them or I'm only doing this to make to network or right. that I'm being superficial. Like I do care about people, but I feel like you're good about it in ways where even if you're not super close with them, you can still do it. But I just still have that nerves about it. You know what the secret is? What? Fake it till you make it. Fake it till you make it? Deep inside, I'm like as scared or even more scared than than, than what you are probably. Mm -hmm. But uh, but yeah, I learned it in, I guess, you know, when, when we started college. Um, mm -hmm. And it all goes back to like film again, but like, yeah. you know, it is what it is. Um, you know, I, I would see like these people, you know, having their, their production companies already mm -hmm. and, you know, getting paid work already yeah. and to me that was extremely intimidating mm -hmm. to me that was almost like a slap in the face like what are you doing in yeah. a, in in, a, in the film program like you should have done like engineering or something yeah, something that you know can actually pay the bills or mm -hmm. something like that um but i was like um maybe not maybe mm -hmm. like i i can do it mm -hmm. um and and yeah there's just like something extremely intimidating a lot of uncertainty um, of like whether you're doing a good job or whatever. Um, and uh, that also comes with like socializing. Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, I, you know this because, you know, I discussed it in, in, in the FTD class, but I'm very self-aware of my accent. Yeah. Um, it's not as thick as it used to be, but still, you know, so sometimes um, you know, people notice, they ask me, oh, where are you from? And, you know, deep inside, that's kind of like, ah, they noticed. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, but I'm scared, you know, of, like, how people are going to react, uh, especially after, you know, four very complicated years, uh, you know, from yeah. a political standpoint. The presidency. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I was, I was scared. I was like, you know, are people going to look, you know, funky at me? You know, am I going to get rejected? Um, but I, it sounds like cliche, but I also try to like, you know, if I'm feeling like that, maybe others are feeling the same way. Yeah. So it's like, you know, why not just skip that and, you know, try to, mm -hmm. to, to, to make a connection. Well, that's so, that is just so nice of you and brave of you. because that shit is hard. Like, I feel like I'm a very extroverted guy. Um, I feel like I'm pretty confident in my own social skills, but I still like have those fears of reaching out to people that I'm not that close with. And I don't, I don't know if that'll ever go away, but so 
and it, like you're better than me about it. You will not sell yourself short in your own <laughs> podcast, sir. I will not allow that. No, I mean I'm, 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 I'm good at it with most people, but there's some people I'm just a little nervous about. Yeah. You know, a lot of times it's like the film buffs, or maybe not the film buffs, but like the people that are. How do I say this without sounding bad? Like, it's okay. I won't cancel you. Oh, well, other people might. But like film social justice warriors, though mm. that is the scariest group of people you can ever interact <laughs> with, ever. Because you say your favorite movie, directed by a white guy. I'm like, oh fuck, okay. Like say like, oh, what's your favorite? What what music do you listen to? Oh, that's a man. I'm like, oh, sorry. Yeah. It's like you yeah. just can't get anything right. And those people, like, because a lot of times they make great art, and I want to get to know them. I want to be able to talk to them, but like. I am not ready for those, some of those conversations. Yeah, yeah. Cancel culture is like so 2022. Like, yeah, leave it in the past. Leave it in the past. Yeah, fuck yeah that. let's evolve. Ugh, yeah, come on. <laughs> okay. So obviously we've been talking about the film this whole time. And I know that you're passionate about stories about immigration so much that you, in some form of it, you want to make a career out of it. You want to be able to make stories about immigration through film. So what exactly pulled you to film specifically rather than music which was a big part of your family or rather than writing a novel or what was it about film that really made you say i want to do this for the rest of my life yeah well you know uh those years in my childhood and you know i'm not trying to sound like a victim here um mm -hmm. not at all but you know uh, yeah don't get canceled <laughs> yeah, <laughs> otherwise i'll get canceled yeah. uh no um, you know my I was raised by my grandma, but you know she she had diabetes mm -hmm. uh, and at a very like severe state. Um, so you know sometimes she couldn't take care of me. Mm -hmm. um, one of my uncles used to go there, you know, to the area where we used to live, like every day, mm -hmm. uh, to like to mainly take care of me, but like also my my grandma because sometimes she couldn't do things herself. Mm -hmm. um, and you know sometimes. You see tough things uh, yeah. as a kid, and you know you try to find a way of like you know getting out of your reality. Mm -hmm. So that's where movies come in. Hmm. Um, and I love the Raimi trilogy, uh, yeah. Spider-Man. Spider Those were our integral, uh, an integral part of me of my love for filmmaking. Yeah. I don't care what any of the Scorsese kids say. Yeah, fuck them. Uh, yeah. Spider-Man is awesome. Fuck what people have to say. It is so good. It's so good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> um, yeah, it, we, we won't talk about Spider-Man, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, those movies, you know, they're entertaining. They make you, like, want to immerse yourself in yeah. that world. So, really, you know, I think movies sort of, like, saved me, you know, hmm. during my childhood. Mm-hmm. Of course, I didn't know, you know, yeah. because you, you don't you don't know. Oh, you know, I, I want to do that when I grow. Up. Yeah, because you don't know that's a thing. Um, but then I moved here to the um, to the United States. Um, I I think I, I was good at drawing when I was hmm. a kid, so that was my thing, you know. Yeah. Because my family would say, "Oh, you know, you're very good at drawing. Uh, you should, you know, make a career of it out mm -hmm. of it." And the only like options that I remember seeing was like being a graphic designer. Or like an illustrator or like a comic book artist yeah and I mean, it's limited it's limited yeah. yeah so i was i wasn't really sure i wanted to do that mm -hmm. um but then i take a i took an audio 
video production class in high school. Uh, we had to edit like you know little cute segments for the school uh, news mm-hmm. show or whatever, and I really liked doing it, um, like editing and, yeah. and things like that, and and most of all seeing the final result. It, it was like very satisfying. Mm-hmm. So then I, the day I had uh, the epiphany, yeah. I was like, I really like editing these videos, and I really like movies. Mm-hmm. Put them together, huh? Film editor. Yeah. That could that could work. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess that yeah, that's my film major origin story. So and then I I just died then. That's so funny. So your first instinct, or not maybe instinct, but your first real passion of working for film was that you wanted to be an editor. Yes. Huh. And I know you still do love editing, right? Yeah. 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 Kind of. No, I, I I do like it, but yeah. I'm kind of like having second thoughts of like hmm. being a professional editor. So. And now you're transitioning more into like camera work. Yes. Like that's what you like the most in the process now. I, I love it. When did that transition occur? Well, um, it definitely happened here in, at, at UT. Um, hmm. I was like a behind the scenes photographer for a couple of sets, you know, when I didn't have a lot of experience. Um, then I was offered to be a, a second camera assistant. Yeah. Um, and I was like, okay, sure. I'll mm-hmm. do it. Uh, I was I, w- I was very nervous because it was like a, a graduate project or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but I felt more connected to the like the creative process mm-hmm. somehow. Really, it doesn't make sense because the second AC isn't part of the creative process whatsoever. Sure, yeah. But you know you need to be attentive of like yeah. what the next shot will be. Mm-hmm. You know you get to call you know the slate yeah. and everything. That's and that always feels cool. It's always yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and you know people are always taking pictures of you because you have yeah, the slate. Exactly. So you know that that felt nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know. I mean, there's a part of me that still wants to be a director. Mm-hmm. And whatever path I take, I do believe that if you want to be a director, it is like fundamental to like know about cameras. It's like very tight. That's just what I think. Okay, interesting. Okay, well, for me, <laughs> learn more about cameras. <laughs> <laughs> I know my way around a camera. But so I figured I wanted to work in movies. I figured I wanted to make movies in fifth grade. Like I That's... fell in love with it. It was really young. And that was that's such a privilege because I've known what I've wanted to do for so long now and I still am pursuing that same thing where so many people in college they go into college not knowing what the fuck they're gonna they want to do people will leave college not knowing what the fuck they want to do and that's fine but I was just really lucky that I've always known what I was going to do but so I kind of thought of that in fifth grade and then around that time so fourth grade is when I started playing the violin I played in fourth fifth sixth seventh eighth and then in seventh grade I started playing piano and guitar and so I was really into playing music um, and I was like, I could do it in three different instruments, whatever. I loved it. And so then like seventh grade, I decided I want to score movies for the rest of my life. Oh. That was my dream job. Like I want to be able to make the movies, make the soundtrack that bring people to tears. And I felt like since I had a good grasp on string instruments and piano and guitar and everything, I felt like I, I could have been pretty good at it. Um, but following that passion, I decided to go to my high school, Garland High School, um, because it had a film program. Mm-hmm. And so my neighborhood school was Rowlett, but Garland was an IB school. So if I wanted to, I could get magneted, I could apply to the IB program and then get in, they would take me via the bus. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And so then I started film freshman year and I just loved it. Like first time getting a hand on camera. And then we learned on Avid. We learned on Avid 2007. That's that's wild. Yeah. You have like Avid and at that level. Mm -hmm. like, wow. like, but it's been such a blessing because now I feel like every other, and it was Avid 2007. So not good at explaining things, not easy. So now I feel like any editing software trying to try now is a lot easier. Mm -hmm. And now mm -hmm. I've gone to Final Cut because it's the easiest and that's <laughs> what I love. But from freshman year, I was like, okay, I love this. Like I always want to do this. And since freshman year, I think this is so funny, but um, freshman year, our projects were between 90 seconds and three minutes. That was the range. Mm -hmm. No little, no more. And like in my head, I was like three minutes. That's easy. And then even freshman high school was like, this takes so much work. It takes so much work. But for one of my projects called Nice Trade, 90 seconds long. Okay. It's it's silly. It's so dumb. But our school film program had a awards at the very end of the year. The real it was Real Owl Cinema Film Festival. And I didn't even win it, but I was nominated for best screenplay. Mm-hmm with a 90 second thing but my teacher said that he thought the dialogue was like so well written and very natural especially for like a high school freshman because dialogue is hard mm -hmm. and since i was nominated for that since then i've wanted to be a writer that's and crazy. so that's what i'm really the most interested in that's the biggest part of it and that had not ever changed until recently and um it was after i finished falling after i directed falling uh -huh. um I got like a lot of compliments on my directing and those felt really good because directing is fucking tough. Yes. And like, you never told how to direct. No one can tell you how to direct. Mm -hmm. Um, but so I guess just on instincts alone, people thought I was somewhat good at it and that felt good. And so now I feel like I want to be a writer director, but that's the fucking most basic thing in the world. That's what everyone wants to be. Yeah. But when you're, you know, this talented, I oh, mean, shut up. you know, it's it's like it's like the hero's journey like we were <laughs> we were talking about you know you're yeah. called to it you you're rejecting it right now yeah. but then you're you'll accept the challenge and then and then do it but who knows maybe i'm just really susceptible to compliments like i got nominated or i got nominated for best screenplay so i want to be a writer and then a couple people tell me i'm a good director so now i want to be a director maybe like next year someone be like you know what you're really good at i don't know making title sequences <laughs> And I'm like, fuck, you're right. And I just want to make titles for the rest of my life. Or like, you know what? You're great at, at predicting how long a fade to black should be. And that would be my specialty, just putting in fades. <laughs> Maybe it's just whatever someone makes me feel good about, that's what I want to do. But I think the end goal will be writer-director, but I still am the most fond of writing out of anything. Andrew, you're the best cinematographer I've seen in my life. <laughs> no, matter, more camera work. no matter how many comments I get on cinematography, I'm not going into cinematography. I... Dude, I don't like messing with it. It stresses me out. Okay, fair. But it's you're hard. missing out. But you're missing out. It, no. it it is like it's a lot. It's a lot. It I'll is. give you that. But it's fun. I don't know. If I can just sit behind the screen and have another incredibly talented person do all the settings on the camera and I just look at it, I'm like, that looks great. That's all I need. I don't need to be the one moving the dial or using the touch screen or whatever. I mean sure. You do I, you. I have no interest in follow focusing. I mean, I don't think no one really does unless, like, I don't know. One of my old bosses, he said that was one of his favorite things to do. Is that when he was, like, shooting on the road, he was, like, 
like just like running gun in it. His favorite thing was just work follow focus. Some people love it. I don't know. It's it's kind of like it's a very delicate position. It is. You Be- could mess everything up too. Yeah. Yeah. Because you can have the greatest, you know, lighting, mm-hmm. amazing performances. Yeah. La 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 la. But if it's not focused. And if it's not, if it's like, if you're a little bit off, you can tell. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. Even in my film, and I hope my DP isn't watching this. It probably is. <laughs> but um, there's a couple shots that it's focused on his chest, not his face, which you know on the camera is this much difference mm-hmm. because it's like however far we were, like 1.2 meters versus 1.22 meters. Yeah. But it was that much off, and every single time I edited, I noticed. And I'm sure people in the audience didn't give a fuck. Exactly. But like, it would mess with me. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Not to throw shade on my DP either, <laughs> <laughs> but... But yeah, there's this one shot that I, you know, that I used on purpose yeah. uh, uh, because I thought it worked. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, my, my lead is like way out of focus, mm-hmm. but but it works. I haven't yeah. gotten a single comment saying that shot's out of focus. Yeah. And even if I did, it's like, screw mm-hmm. you. I mean, no one, no one told me either. So I guess it doesn't matter. Yeah. Okay. But so we've talked about film a lot now. Um, and I, I, we have more personalities, I swear. <laughs> but it is interesting to talk about, and I love talking about it. Yes. But I think this is also something really interesting to talk about in the way where we are both in film school. We chose to go the film school route, and at this point, we've been in classes together for business of Hollywood, intro to image and sound, filmmaking to decolonize, um, director's workshop. I think that might be it. Yeah, maybe other of the some of the lower divisions as yeah. well. But so we've experienced one, a lot of college already, a lot of film school. We've, we've finished five out of eight semesters and we've done a, a lot of the upper division stuff too. And we've been a part, we've been together for a lot of it. So how do you feel about the state of film school? How has your experience been? And would you necessarily recommend it to everybody? You know, there are some, uh brave people that say you know i don't need film school i'm just gonna start working in the industry yeah i respect them yeah and you know they're working in the industry mm-hmm. so you know there's always that that option mm-hmm. um personally i am glad i'm in film school um for, i'm fortunate to have the opportunity of course mm-hmm. but um first of all because of course the collaborators you know that's I, I, that's yeah. the most valuable thing mm-hmm. you know you get out of, of film school yeah. you know um Cause you never know when you know the, those other people you know are gonna need your help. Yeah. And you know. When and you need... don't know. You don't know who's gonna end up making it big. Yeah. 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 I mean, I'm not really worried about that. Like, mm-hmm. ah, let's see who who of my friends you know has yeah, the most potential yeah, yeah. to make it into Hollywood. Mm-hmm. No, um, but but I mean, we do have to eat, you know. So you know, the more people we know, the yeah. more you know job opportunities that you know we can potentially get, and you know. The more friendships, of course. Yeah. Um, but also, it's more of like uh, you hang out with people more talented than you. Uh, you know, you being the case, my roommate being the case. Um, they they know more than I do, and that kind of like pushes me, you know, to be mm-hmm. better. Um, it's not like classes have actually like taught me a lot mm-hmm. they've taught me a handful of some. things. yes yeah some and i think for instance directing workshop is gonna be like yeah that type of class that Definitely. teaches you a lot of things uh you know ftd ftd mm-hmm. uh, great class mm-hmm. um 
but but yeah i think it's it's mostly the the i hate to use the the word network but uh but it is you know yeah and and also that that sense of like you know of pushing myself you know seeing that i'm capable of, of those things mm -hmm. um and i guess you know the regular you know college experience yeah um it's it's fun i'm still conflicted on it um and I've always been conflicted on it because when I was in high school, <clears throat> excuse me, um, I had a lot of extracurriculars um, and my grades were fine, but my test scores weren't great. And so I didn't know if I was going to get into any schools. Um, like I really, I think me and my mom talked about it. And at first it was like, we think it's 50-50 I get into UT. And then like the more like shit happened, we were like, okay, now it's like 40-60. Like we really didn't know if I was going to get in here or to a lot of the schools I applied to. Mm -hmm. And so I had really considered like I could save this money from college and send about a thousand emails and move to L.A. and start PAing. And then I can tell them I'm here with like I'm here. I'm young. I want to work like I will PA for whatever thing you have, no matter if it's the shittiest commercial or the biggest thing ever. And like that was real thing for me i really considered that mm -hmm. but then i did get into film school so i did end up coming um but dude two years of film school went by and i hated it i loved college i i was so so upset with the education i was receiving mm -hmm. i mean we go and of course getting your hands on gear isn't everything yeah but we go a year and a half without touching a camera in the program which is i think pitiful and doesn't like USC like gives their freshmen access to Aries or some, some not, something like that? Not, I think like their first film they use pretty much like XC 15s, like what we had in 318. Mm. But by the time they're finished with their like first major film, they're already on great, great equipment. At least, at the very least, freshman year they have like C100s. Yeah. And again, like, Equipment isn't everything. Production isn't everything. But still, like, narrative strategies and media design, I didn't learn anything. Uh, 307, 308, nothing. I learned the word hegemony. Mm -hmm. That's the only thing I remember from my film <laughs> education all of freshman year. And 318, I was really upset with. I felt like it was so, like, elementary. Yes. And so it wasn't really until I got to upper division that I started appreciating it. Because I think, I know we have different opinions on Business of Hollywood. I adored that class. I felt like I learned so, so, so much. Filming and Decolonize, so much. I learned so much. And then Intro to Screenwriting, the same. A lot of my upper division classes. Mm -hmm. But I still can't say if it's worth the time and money. The money, yeah. The money. I mean, because realistically, uh, what is tuition? Without aid and without scholarship, if you're in Texas, it's like 6000 a semester. Yeah, personally. So we spent... $18,000 in tuition without touching a camera. 18 grand? Yep. Or no. 1800? Still, that's so much money. It is. No, yeah, when, when you start looking at that, yeah. And then again, if let's say if you get like a full ride or something, I mean, definitely, you know, take yeah, advantage definitely. of it. Or if you're given the the opportunity, you know, from like your parents or something like that, mm -hmm. you know, which is my case, um, you know, Take me as full, well yeah take full advantage of that yeah. you know but yeah it, it is very expensive mm -hmm. um like okay that's a great difference in mexico like 
the mm-hmm. one of the top film schools in Mexico where Alfonso Cuarón graduated from. Oh, damn, yeah. Uh, Iñárritu. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if, if Del Toro, but, um, you know, it's free. Yeah. I think you only have to pay for your textbooks. Mm-hmm. And, and then your apartment or whatever. I Yeah. But see, for instance, that's another, that's a cultural difference. Um, in Mexico, it's not seen as like, a failure or something like that to like live with your parents yeah until you graduate college mm-hmm. like it, actually it's very rare for like a student to move out of their huh. their parents uh, mm-hmm. while they're still in college yeah um unless you move out of state or something like that then mm-hmm. you know you're kind of like yeah. forced to but but you know you're you're saving on that you know you're you're getting well fed by 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 your parents yeah. um i swear that like ten dollars you can cover your whole like expenses of like uh, college, like all four years in Mexico. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. Okay, well, this is another thing. So obviously, like we have qu- some certain qualms about the film school experience um, on a more basic note, but also we are both people that aren't very well represented on the screen or behind the screen. And so do you think that film school has done enough to level the playing field for us or to show us people that are like us in ethnicity um, that have created films? Do you think that they've shown you enough Latin American filmmakers or that they've preached it enough? Or do you think still it's still stuck in the huge, we just are lost in the microcosm of the industry of where everything we learn is rich white men? Um, Unfortunately, I think that's still um, Mm -hmm. like the way it's changing mm-hmm. very slowly, but it's changing. Um, but but yeah, I mean, if you look at the demographics of, of the RTF department at UT, yeah. it's majority white, mm-hmm. you know? Um, if And then, you know, you have classes like filmmaking to decolonize the yeah. other social justice class with uh, professors, Jackie Smith. Yeah. And they cancel them. Exactly. You Which know? is so, it's like, I think it's beyond sad. It's so frustrating. Yeah. Like whenever the industry is, you know, I think like out of the top 100 movies ever made, it's like 97 were white men. Mm-hmm. And it's like something like that. And so when we are going in industry like that and we're not that, it's so saddening to see the few classes that really do perpetuate the ideas of everyone can make it and everyone's stories are valid and will show you examples of people that did make it are canceled. Mm-hmm. That sucks. Yep. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's not the same, but like, you know, in some ways it's, I don't know if it's UT, if it's like a handful of people mm-hmm. or if it's just like the system, you know, if that's yeah. how you want to call it that, you know, they're kind of like telling you, you don't have a place. Here. Exactly. And, like, I'm not going to sit up here and come away like, I have it the worst. Because I'm not. I'm a straight man. So that's enough. And I'm half white. Come on. (laughs) But it's, like, for the people that have been in our classes that are queer and women or black, like, we're not seeing any, we're not really being taught any of their stuff. Yeah. Any people that align with them. And I think that's so, like, come on, that's so 2022. It's 2023. (laughs) It should be changing. Like, I... I don't know. I think that's really one of the big drawbacks of a big public film school in composed to like a lot of maybe like the conservatory type schools where mm. 
it's just a lot smaller. So if they want to, they can teach those type of things. But we are restricted by being a state public university. And so I don't, I really still cannot say that, like, I know for a fact that film school is worth it. Yeah, it's it's still a very debatable thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's on a like a you know person by person basis, yeah. of course. But but yeah, um, I have hope. Yeah, and like our generation, you know, we're starting to to see things differently, mm-hmm. um, and things like that. You know, uh, the other day I was talking with a friend, and they were telling me about a professor. It was like. Um, I don't know how it came into like conversation, but um, they were like, "Oh yeah," and you know, she's a lesbian, no? Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Oh really?" And then they were like, "You didn't know that?" <laughs> and I was like, "Am I supposed to know yeah. that?" I don't care. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's that shouldn't be like things that you need look for know. that you need to know no. that you know any sort of parameters to like get into some things or mm-hmm. to get access to other other um other stuff it's just like you know we're, we're all people you know it doesn't yeah. matter yeah we're all people yeah that's a good way to put it yeah <laughs> i'm probably gonna get canceled uh, <laughs> no you're not something, i don't yeah, think you're gonna get canceled for that i don't think anyone wants to cancel you I don't think you have any enemies. I, I won't say it right now, but I almost got canceled once. Oh, really? By two people. Well, fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what was I going to say? I was going to say something that was so important. Have you gotten canceled before? No, no. I've never. Never. I'm cancel free. Mm, very good. Goodness. <laughs> <laughs> got to knock on wood. Oh. oh, one thing that like I do enjoy about film school, and I think about this all the time, is because it's so big... And, like, really, we know so many people, like, in the film program. Every time I watch, like, an award show, like, the Golden Globes was just on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. I'll think about, like, man, 20 years from now, we could be watching it, and we could know someone that goes up. That is so cool. Yes. Like, it does It does give you that community, which is awesome. Um, but also, there's a million different film schools. Who's saying that UT is the best? Who's saying that anybody in our program is any good? Like, it could not happen, but I still love that hope. Like the hope that I could be watching this with my kids and being like, oh my God, I knew that girl from Business of Hollywood. Uh-huh. Like that is such a cool feeling. It is. Mm-hmm. It is. And I don't know, no, not to make it, you know, about like ourselves and anything, but mm-hmm. let, let me ask you this. Do you see yourself like in in those type of ceremonies? Well, you just set me up to sound egotistical. No, no. Because, <laughs> okay, I'll go first. Okay, you go first. There's a part of me that like understands how hard it is to make it in the industry yes. and then like add those layers that we just talked about, about, mm-hmm. you know, like gender yes. uh, and, and all of those things. Um, but there's a part of me that sees myself there. Like, mm-hmm. like it's hard, but like, I think I can make it. Maybe, you know, it's like that the pure passion for the, yeah. for the, you know, the craft or or I'm just delusional. I'm not sure. But, like, there's a part of me that says, yeah. yeah. Well, then, fuck it. I'll say it, too. Like, yeah. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I I think I could see myself there. But that's I don't think that's me saying that I 1,000% there's not a shot in a fucking, not a shot in the world that I could do that now. But I know that over the next 
so many years, I'm going to have so many experiences to learn and grow. I don't think I'm there now. Like, nowhere fucking close. Yeah. But I know that I can and want to learn so much. And I honestly think that I don't know anyone that's more passionate about this shit than me. Like, I, I know that, if anything, I want it more than people. And so, like, maybe that's still delusional. There's still no fucking saying. It's still, like, a incredibly minuscule chance that I could ever get close to there. But in some world, I can't see myself that doing it. I can see you there. I can see you there. Would you give your speech in Spanish? I would say a couple of words. For a couple sure. of words in Spanish. For sure. Have to. Ha- yeah, yeah, have I to. have to. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I, I, I would be re- betraying like a part of me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, dude, I'm, I'm like so proud of. One thing that I am proud about at UT is, Ileana Sosa's recent success. Yes. That is like amazing to me, and like the fact that Netflix bought it. And so now her story that was so intimate to her can now be seen by anyone in the fucking world. Mm-hmm. That is amazing. And she was nominated for Gotham Awards. She won um, She won something at South By for it. Mm-hmm. And, like, I think that is so cool that we have the chance to learn from her. Yes. Like, that is so, so, so awesome. And, you know, those, those are the things that, you know, it's hard. But, you know, there are opportunities, you know, for, like, yeah. you know, Latin women filmmakers you know, yeah. to, to, to make it together, their, mm-hmm. their work shown and uh, for everyone. Mm-hmm. I think we've been talking about film for a long time. So I'm gonna say this and then we can wrap it up. Okay. But one thing that I will never regret, um, is coming to college. Um, because I, I know I said, I com- contemplate about not going at all and just trying to go to industry route. But I remember my mom telling me that she thinks I should go to college because I want to be a writer. And that you will never hear better stories than when you're in your four years of the college experience. I think that's been so true. I've been introduced to so many new people, new perspectives, new identities. Identities I didn't even know were a thing. I now am very close with. And I think really I could not have done that without being within the college community that I was a part of. And so I think especially like I want to make coming of age stuff. That's always been the stories that have been most interesting and most like heartfelt to me that I connect with the most. And so the college experience is a very essential thing of that. And so I'm still so very glad I went. And I'm sure you must be too. Yes, yes. Um, Yeah, something I do not regret of is, is, yeah, it's coming to to film school. Otherwise, I wouldn't have met you, you know? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, that's a a cute note. Let's end it on that. Um, Thank you, Marla, for coming. And thank, uh, thank you for you introducing for me, me to such a great movie. I really did enjoy it and such a great conversation um, and all your compliments. Um, everyone should check out Marlon on MXRfilms.com. I'm going to shout him out. I've never shouted out someone else before, but Marlon made a, a great film called I'm New. It's not out yet, but when it does come out, everyone should watch it. It revolves around the, the immigrant experience. Um, he's wearing his own shirt right now. Um, he made his own shirts. Maybe I need to do that. I don't know, maybe it's a little cocky, but uh, <laughs> you should I'll give still... you a free one. Okay, cool. You should yeah. still check them out. Um, you should check out the movie. And again, thank you so much for watching. It means so much to me. Anytime anyone texts me and says that they watched it or liked it or didn't like it, they still watched it. That's such a great compliment to me, and I appreciate it so much. Um, this was episode five already, of, that's, which is crazy, of Tragic Comic Coming of Age podcast. Um, thank you so much. Hope you have a great rest of your day, and I'll see you next time.